listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. I even had the order of service. You didn't, and I didn't do what I was supposed to. Well, I trust you enjoyed singing those songs and be reminded of the fact that when you receive the righteousness of Christ, credited to your account by faith, that righteousness, no matter what you did this week, no matter how rough things got, no no matter what sins you committed, because Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin, and because he actively obeyed in every point, You and I stand today perfectly righteous in God's sight. And his blood continues to forgive us of all of our sin. And we have a destination coming to all of us. We will be with God for all eternity. And I'm sure that you anticipate the day that you are with him. This morning, we return today to our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I would like to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As I have told you before, there are two records of the Lord's Prayer. One is found in Matthew, or excuse me, one is found in Luke chapter 11, and the other is here in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to direct you to the Matthew 6 version of the Lord's Prayer this morning. Of course, this presentation of the Lord's Prayer comes in the midst of a sermon that Jesus Christ preached called the Sermon of the Mount. And in that sermon, Jesus shows us how you and I are to live as citizens of heaven while we still live in the citizens in the kingdoms of men. How are you and I to live differently now by faith? And as we have made our way through this series, we have looked a number of weeks ago at how not to pray. We are not to pray to be seen of men. We are not to pray to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do. We also learned how to begin our prayers. And that is, of course, to remember that we're part of a big family and that we are to put him first rather than vaunt ourselves in front of him. This morning, we are going to begin to see how we are to pray for us as a church. How we are to pray uh, in reference to our needs. And we will find that in our text this morning. Let me begin. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 6. And begin reading in verse number 9. Follow along as I read to you this text. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as we've been praying each week, would you join me as we say the Lord's Prayer? 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Join me as I lead us in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that you put us in a big family and that you are our father. And not only are you a father, but you are a father in heaven. You're in an exalted position. And because of that, you have all resources at your disposal for us this week. And it's for that reason, Father, we pray that your name would be hallowed and glorified and set apart in this world and that it would be set apart in our lives. We pray that your kingdom would indeed come, that you would, as the text says, Maranatha, that you would come back soon and that you would set up that kingdom and deliver us from this broken world. And we also pray that your kingdom, as it comes, that your will would be done on earth as it is always done in heaven. I ask that you would help us to do your will in our own lives and that we would be people that are committed to doing it. And that, Father, that you would provide us our daily bread today. We pray that you would provide us lunch today and even dinner and breakfast tomorrow. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our daily sins. No doubt many of us have accumulated many of them even today, but we're so thankful that you promised to forgive and we have an advocate with you. And then Lord, help us to forgive others. Lord, no doubt there are people in this room who are holding bitterness and they have a really hard time forgiving someone who sinned against them. But Father, would you help us to do just that to show our salvation by forgiving others. And then, Lord, we need power to navigate the temptations of this world. And would you lead us not to temptation, but that you would indeed deliver us from any type of evil. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you have grown up praying memorized prayers. Maybe this one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Or maybe more of the modern version. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. His love to guard me through the night and wake me in the morning's light. You know, one of the most popular prayers of late that many people like to pray, kind of memorized, is a prayer called the prayer of Jabez, or as one person's called, the prayer of Jabez, okay? It's popularized by a book by Bruce Wilkinson in the year 2000. In fact, the prayer is this, it's based on this text, 1 Chronicles 4, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, 
because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the name, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Now, interesting, the, the book, some of you may have read it, it's a short book, it's an easy read. I think that's one of the reasons why it's probably popular, okay? But honestly, subtly, many seek to use this prayer, Jabez's prayer, as, as one reviewer of the book said, as a magic formula that will somehow hypnotize God into blessing us. Where we could sometimes, as I said, remember, we are to pray not to manipulate God. Hey, if I just keep praying this prayer, he's going to bless me. Just pray this prayer and look what God's going to do. You know, it's very subtly could lead us to the health and wealth gospel. Yes, it's a passage in the Bible. And I love it. It's a beautiful passage. It's God's word. But you know what? Many of us can misinterpret scripture and misapply it to use it on our own lust. I just want to be blessed. In fact, the Bible says, you know what's going to happen to us if you're a follower of Christ? Suffering is going to be inevitable. All of God's children, this side of heaven is going to have some hard times. In fact, the book... I read it years ago, has little mention of Jesus Christ and no mention of the cross that is actually the basis of prayer. So I'm not pointing that out to say, don't read this book or read it. Anything you read besides the Bible, you need to read with what? Discernment. I'll tell you, evangelicalism's got books galore. Okay, there's only one you can totally trust. Okay, it's the one that I hope is sitting in front of you this morning. So the question is, is there a prayer that actually we should pray regularly to be a pattern? You know what? That's why God gave us the Lord's Prayer. That's why he says at the beginning of this, pray like this. This is how you ought to pray. And this is Jesus, the God of the universe, who's telling us this. So this is a model prayer. And if you'll learn how to pray it and understand it, what it does is it provides you a framework, a worldview. If you really understand what it says and learn how to pray it in your own words, meaning the truths of what it pronounces... It is a worldview that'll help you as a believer live rightly in the fallen world that you and I confronted or are confronted with every day. In fact, praying this prayer can help you recalibrate your life to the gospel and to life with Jesus in your life. Now, so far as we've made our way through this prayer, we've looked at the first three requests that are all directed at God's priorities. And that's what we should do. We should pray that his name would be hallowed. We should pray that his kingdom would come. And we should pray that his will would be done. 
God must be first, okay? It's right, okay? We're, we're so used to being told, don't be first, don't put yourself in front, and it's rightfully for you not to do that because you're not God. But in the frame of reference of like eternity and uh, all of life, it is proper for God to be first because he's God. And everything works better when he is in his proper place. So put him first. Okay. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to look at the last three requests. And the last three requests all have to do with us. And I'll say this again, not me, us. In fact, the next three sermons are devoted to these three particular requests. It's interesting that in these three requests, kind of in a nutshell, in a little acorn, we have for us Jesus dealing with all of man's needs, both physical and spiritual, within three requests. Isn't that amazing that he could sum up all that we need within three things? And he does it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who has an incredible commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, points out this. The first request deals with our need for continued existence on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. The second deals with our need for cleansing from defilement and the guilt of sin. And the third deals with our need to be kept from sin and its power as God allows us to continue our sojourn on earth till he comes home. What they all do is they show us the desperate need that you and I have for God in every realm of our life. You aren't going to make it without God this week. The only reason you just breathed your last breath is because God was gracious enough to give it to you. We are such prideful people. But here we are to learn how to ask. And today in verse 11, which is our text this morning, we're going to learn this simple truth. It's this. Since we're in utter dependence on God, we must ask him to provide for our daily physical needs. Let me say it again. Since we are in utter dependence on God, we must learn to ask him to provide for our daily physical needs. And what we're going to do this morning, I'll give you my outline ahead of, ahead of time. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at number one, the actual request. Okay, we're verse 11. Then we're going to look at an ancient illustration. And then we're going to look at the ultimate reality. Okay, those three things. The first is this, the actual request. And the request is right there in verse 11. Let me read it to you again. It says this, give us this day our daily bread. This is a petition where Jesus is telling us that we are to go to God and we are to ask him to give us our daily bread. And I want you to catch a number of truths in this. And the first is this, God doesn't begin the three request focus on man's needs, interesting enough, with our spiritual need. Wouldn't you say like our spiritual need is like the biggest thing? Should we like pray that first? 
Isn't it interesting that God begins this little section on us with our physical needs? Yes, both of them are important, okay? But you know what God knows? God knows our weaknesses. He knows what sometimes is on the forefront of our mind. So this request is this. God, I'm asking that you would sustain my life on earth. Would you give me what I need to continue to put steps in front of each other? And of course, bread represents really all of our physical needs. I mean, he could have said, give us this day our daily water, okay? Now, he has a reason why he uses bread. And we'll come to that later on. But God, give me what I need, my physical needs. And you know what your physical needs are not bad. In fact, Paul talks about that. In one of his letters to Timothy, how there was a group of people who just looked at the body and and food and stuff as being, no, those are not spiritual things. Those are bad and you should like turn your back. No, food is good. God created this world and creation is to be enjoyed. And we are to embrace that. And it's good to have food. It's good to have drink. And we are to uh, ask him continually for it. Also notice that this request also shouts to us of God's character. He is the one who cares about our every need. He wants us to ask him for our daily bread. In fact, later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how he, in fact, cares for birds. I've been on the place where Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount. And it was all interesting as I'm giving a little talk on the Sermon on the Mount, on the Sermon on on the Mount, okay? All of a sudden, a little bird lands just a few steps from me. And of course, Jesus in the the sermon says, behold the fowls of the air. And it's probably, I thought Jesus was here in this position before. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they spin, but your heavenly Father feedeth them. And the idea is he cares for even the sparrows. He cares for us. He knows about us. In fact, the Bible says that he knows about the hairs on your head in the Sermon on the Mount. He knows how many you have. Now, as I said before, some of you, that's not hard. Okay, you, you don't have a whole lot. But Jesus cares about you and your food. I mean, imagine... All of a sudden, getting a letter from the president of the United States just a few weeks after taxes are due, who knew that you were about $5 short on your taxes. And he wrote you a personal letter and says, hey, I just want you to know, I I saw that you were $5 deficient on that, and I want you to know, I got that covered for you, myself. Some of you would say, that won't happen. Okay, let me say, your God knows whether you had life cereal this morning or whether you had one egg or two egg or how you decided to cook them. And guess what? He gave them to you. Every bit of them. That's the God you serve. He is caring and loving. He cares for you. And that's why he says, pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. This also, 
this little prayer declares that we are incredibly desperate people. He's the creator, we're the creatures. And because of that, we depend on him. This was true for Adam and Eve in the garden pre-fall. Okay, when they were in the garden, who had to provide and allow those trees to uh, bear fruit and to cover their food needs? It was all from the sovereign hand of God. You and I now, okay, post-fall, have to toil in, with thorns and thistles and, and where the world kind of works against us. And we are in desperate need of God to provide all the necessities of our life. Sadly, you and I, we live in, we live in the Western, food-rich culture and world where we don't perceive our desperate need for daily provision. Why? Because Kroger's always full. Our pantries are full. For most of us, our bank accounts always have sufficient amounts. So if we wanted to go and eat, either at On the Border or, or at Chipotle or whatever you like, it's there. I can go. I can feed myself. Okay? It's covered. However, what did COVID do? COVID showed us how quickly toilet paper could disappear, didn't it? Let me say that you may think you've got tomorrow's lunch covered. I mean, probably most of you, you haven't really thought about it because it's covered. You're like, it's there. But let me say, you have no promise of tomorrow's food. You could board a plane this evening to go on a business trip and somehow it could crash in the mountains or in the sea and be desperate for food or water by tomorrow night. Some of you may have watched the History Channel's show Alone, where they throw people out in the middle of the wilderness and they have to learn how to survive. And you watch just one little episode of this program and you realize how desperate man is for food and how, how privileged you and I are for what we have in our world how quickly we could starve, how quickly on that show, when, when you just go a day or few, a few different days and they begin to add, how quickly you and I can starve. We are not to take our bread and our food for granted. We often teach our kids how to be independent. Hey, just take care of yourselves. The Bible teaches us, however, something totally different. The Bible is trying to teach us how to be dependent upon God. Paul says to the Athenians, for in him we live and move and have our being. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he's the one who sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. And I'll tell you this, if you eat today for lunch, it is because God willed it. And he graciously gave you the food that you deserved, or that you didn't deserve. Notice also 
when you pray this prayer, you're not just asking that uh, for all of it, for the, the year. It doesn't say, give us this day, this next year's food. Okay, now some of us have thought about this. Wouldn't it be great on New Year's Day to be able to pray? You know, I pray for all my meals. Instead of doing this, I'm just going to pray for all my food right here at the beginning of the year. God, you know, all the food I'm going to eat this year. Okay, so I'm just going to bless it all. Can you bless it all? So it's just covered. And so then I can just dive into my food wherever I'm at. And someone says, hey, you didn't pray? No, I prayed January 1st. I prayed for it all. Okay. God does not want us to do that. Why should we get in the habit? And I think it's a good habit to pray before our meals. It's this. God wants us to depend on him to provide for our needs every day. And this teaches us utter dependence on him. We are such prideful people. When was the last time you prayed, God, give me my food for tomorrow and and the next day and the next day? Notice as well that this doesn't say, give me. It says, give us. And when you pray this prayer, what should happen is you're not just thinking about you. You're thinking about your entire church family, your community. It helps you to think of the social needs around you. And the needs of the other people within this flock, you said, God, give us this day our daily bread. Don't just take care of my needs, but take care of my church family's needs. And take care of Roswell's needs and all the different community here. And Father, in some ways, bless the economy so that we have food. Not that we uh, become independent of you, that we would become more dependent on you. And what this does is it allows us, if we, as we continue to pray this, it, it It declares our dependence on God, but it also does this. It helps us focus on others, not just our daily bread, but all people's bread. And I'll tell you this, when you pray this prayer, let's say you do this as a pattern. You pray this prayer, this request each day. What you're doing is this. You're declaring your dependence on God and you're acknowledging every day his goodness to you. And you're considering others. Don't you need to be doing that every day? Because if you're like me, it's easy to just jump into the gun or the starting blocks and just run through the day and do everything for you and not think about him. And that's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray this, God, give me this day my daily bread. Because it's only going to come from you. So what this does is you pray this prayer, it shapes our lives in Jesus Christ. So we've seen now the actual request, okay? Now I want you to see how this is illustrated in the Old Testament. So let me bring you to now the, an ancient illustration. And that ancient illustration is the illustration of manna in the wilderness, Let me invite you to turn your Bibles for just a moment to Exodus chapter 16. In fact, this is one text that I'm not going to put up. You know, I always have this little battle in me that do I put text up here? Because one of the things I like is I'd like for you to learn how to navigate your Bible. And and so I, I go back and forth. I show it up there. It's easy. But sometimes it's good for us to learn to navigate our Bible well. So Exodus chapter 16 
God's people in the Old Testament learned their need for daily bread. In fact, these stories in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul says, were given to us for our admonition so that we could learn from them. And in Exodus chapter 16, it talks about this beautiful thing that God did for the Israelites as they were spending 40 years in the wilderness. Look what it says in verse number four of chapter 16. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Of course, that was for the Sabbath. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening... You shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Because he had heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat. And in the morning bread to the full. Because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. What was happening in this text is this. God took a whole nation of Israel, which was millions of people in the middle of a wilderness. If you happen to be on the the Israel tour, you were to visit Egypt and some of the wilderness there. It is not like Kroger's are at every corner, okay? There's no QTs, okay? This is in the middle of nowhere and there's millions of people. How are they going to get fed? God taught his people how to depend on him for physical bread each day. What he would allow is that there would be a layer of manna that would come from heaven every morning for them to gather and that would sustain them while they were in the wilderness. And as Israel traveled to Canaan, they were sustained every day by this daily manna. In the morning, they were supposed to gather just enough for that day. In fact, if they gathered too much, it would spoil, as you, if you read another text. On Fridays, before the Sabbath day, they were to gather two days portion, so they wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath day, and it would be fine on that day. If they gathered more, as I said, it would rot. And this continued up until they entered the promised land. We learn from this story that God is the ultimate provider for his people. Okay? He is the provider of all the necessities of life. Of course, even in the midst of it, what did the people do? They complained, oh, we're we're tired of this bread. And what does he do? He gives them meat quail in the evening. Remember this, when Jesus gave this model prayer on the Sermon on the Mount, no doubt when he said, give us this day our daily bread, what would all of those Jewish people who were listening to the Sermon on the Mount gone to think about? 
they would have gone back to the manna in the wilderness that they had been taught for all those centuries. That I need to learn how to depend on God for everything. In fact, one commentator, when he started to talk about what the Lord's Prayer is, he likened the Lord's Prayer to God's new covenant people. Just like, just like as they journeyed to the land of rest, they were pilgrims waiting for the promised land and they had to look to God. You and I who are God's new covenant people are waiting for the promised land and we are to be people that are constantly looking to him, asking for our daily bread. He wants us to do this. And we must realize that he's the giver of all of life. And we've got to learn how to ask him for it. And when he gives it, we thank him for it. And maybe that's what we do in our prayers. God, I want to thank you for the food that you've provided that I am about to eat because it came from your hand. Because it did. It did. That's why we pray before meals. We need to learn when we pray that we mean what we say. I mean, so often, and I am the biggest culprit of this, bless this food. And what do you mean by that? Now, if you can explain what you mean by that, and you have a reason like you say that, but make sure whatever you say, you mean it. And it's not just vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Learn how to mean what you pray. And you know what it does? It does us good every day to ask him and thank him. It teaches us dependence. And I'll tell you this, if there's anyone who needs to be warned about this, it's you and I who live in Roswell, Georgia, who have wealth all around us. We've got to learn not to leave God out. In fact, we need to be cautious. In the book of Proverbs, in fact, let me show you a verse here. That the, 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 the one who wrote Proverbs 30, very well, Solomon, two things I ask of you, God, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither, not, not interesting. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, I don't want to be, I want to be kind of middle class. Why? Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full. And I'll tell you this, for most of you in this room, you're full. You have lots going for you. Some of you have nest eggs, and it's easy for you not to have to rely on God. And one of the temptations that you can get into is this, lest I deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And I'll I'll warn many of you, some of you who right now are saying, man, I just want to be rich. You know, the wisest man that ever lived, you said, you know what? My desire is not to be rich. Because I don't want to get to a place where I forget you. That's why he says in another place, labor not to be rich. Because what do riches do? They sprout out wings and they fly away as an eagle toward what? Toward heaven. So we must learn to pray for our daily bread. And what this does is it humbles us. But let me say that there's something more it does. 
The manna also taught them to look beyond physical bread. God used the manna and God uses this prayer also to teach us a truth. Now I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy. I'm not going to make you turn there. Okay, so I gave you one that you had to look up. This one I'm not making you look up. But as God gave all these commands and told them what they were supposed to do, he was also teaching them a lesson. And listen to what it says in Deuteronomy. It says this, the whole commandment that I commanded you today, you shall be careful to do. So God gave them a bunch of commandments that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give you to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. And that's what God's trying to do. He wants to humble us, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He says, I've done all this to make you depend on me. And look what he says in verse three. And he humbled you and let you hunger And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know this, okay? That man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what he was trying to teach them is this. I want you to learn this. I want you to learn to depend on my word. Just like you've depended me for bread every day, I want you to learn on every day that you've got to come to me and look to me for sustenance. But I want you to look beyond just the bread that I gave you. I want you to look not just to the bread, I want you to look to the word that I gave you. And so whenever you hear my word, that you will do this, you will be utterly dependent upon it. That you will look to my word more than your daily food. That's what I want you to do. That's why I'm teaching you this. Let me say, you need bread, all of you in this room. But you need something more than bread. And I'll tell you what you need. You need God's word. You need God's word to get you through life. Ultimately, what was God's final word? God who in sundry times in a diverse ways spoke unto the world through his prophets, yet in these last days has spoken unto us through his what? His son. And the word, God's word was made what? flesh. He wanted to teach us that the only way we're going to live is not by bread alone, but we have to be people that are attentive to the word of God. And who else was the word of God? God's word took on a body. It was incarnated. And we have seen him. The glory of the father shown to us He took on feet and he walked on this planet. He lived a flawless life. That brings us to the ultimate reality, and that's Jesus. And as Mark read earlier in the Gospel of John, 
John begins to present how Jesus is the ultimate answer to all of man's needs. And at one point, there was this large crowd in a deserted place on one side of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, I've been to the spot where many people believe that Jesus fed the 5,000. And here they are in a deserted spot reminiscent of a wilderness. And guess what? They're all hungry. They're all needing something to eat. And of course, they're like, hey, we need to send them away. And Jesus says, why don't you give them something to eat? And so they're like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And what does Jesus do? Jesus illustrates who he is by feeding the 5,000 men with a little boy's lunch. And know what he does? He shows that he is none other than Yahweh of the Old Testament. He is the light, as he'll say he is. Remember the light that led the Israelites in the wilderness at night? He is the water of life. Come unto me and drink of me. You remember when they were thirsting and the the rock had to be struck? And God had to provide water in the wilderness. And now right in front of their very eyes, they see God's son provide bread for them in the wilderness. The next day, many of the people who witnessed this arrive in Capernaum. And they begin to interact with Jesus. And they want to do the works. They say, hey, you're pretty good at making bread. I'd like to do that. Hey, can you just keep doing this? And what you find is they're all just sign seekers and meal moochers. They want to see more signs and they want to eat more food. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to tell them the most important thing they could ever imagine. And listen to the text one more time. You need to hear it twice this morning. When they found him on the other side of the sea, this is in Capernaum, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because if you don't remember the story, Jesus did some walking on the water. Okay, he did some amazing things how he got there, but he didn't answer them. Okay, Jesus answered to them, and, and he goes right to the heart of things. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, because you ate the fill of your loaves. And he says this, don't, do not work for food that perishes or for the food that endure, but for the food that endures for eternal life. How do I get that food? Well, which the son of man, which is the way Jesus refers to himself, which the son of man, I will give to you. For on him, God has set his seal. And Jesus was telling him, I'm the one he set his seal upon. And then it says in the next verse, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Hey, I want to be a bread maker too. How can we do this? And Jesus does something interesting. He doesn't tell them they need to work. Jesus answered them and says, this is the work of God. What's God's work? It's interesting that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what? then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Because he had already given them a bunch of signs. What work will you perform? 
He says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And what does Jesus respond? He says this, Jesus said unto them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread in the heaven, I mean from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. And maybe Jesus happened to do this. He who has come down from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Yes, we need bread. You need lunch, you need dinner to continue your existence on this planet. But your priority is this, you need to see Jesus as the bread of life. You have to eat of him. And he provides ultimate nourishment. And it's interesting, just around the Sea of Galilee, if you just were to walk around this edge of the Sea of Galilee, you get from the place where he fed the 5,000 to the place where he preached this very sermon the Sermon on the Mount, and gave this prayer. Look to him. So this morning, what have we seen? Since we are in utter dependence on God, we must learn to ask him to provide for our daily physical needs. This is what gospel people do. This is why you need to learn the Lord's Prayer. This is why you need to learn how to pray it on your own. He is all you need, and you must look to Jesus for everything in life and learn how to do it every day. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is this. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The way you receive Jesus by utter dependence on him to save you from hell and from your sins is the same way he wants you to walk every day. I need him. And that's why I submit to you that you need, how to learn, you need to learn how to pray on a daily basis, whether you say it the exact way he said it or not, but give me this day my daily bread. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.